0: You know, for weeks, I've been thinking and praying and studying about the message I'm going to preach tonight. And it kept working on me. Uh, the world, how bad it's getting. They've taken God out of schools, trying to get God out of everything known to man. And you see sin running rampant in this country like an open sewer. And you see a spiritual decline, a moral decline. And because of all that, even a financial decline in this country today, it's hard to find a good job, the price we pay for sin. And it kept eating at me. And I didn't have peace about giving a message like that. I kept praying to God, what what do I need to preach on? And the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6, Says, trust in the Lord with all thy heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your paths. And I was praying, I was seeking, and He gave me the answer what I need to preach on tonight. He didn't audibly tell me, but you know how the Lord works on you? Through the Spirit. And he says, you know, these guys in jail don't need to hear about the gloom and the doom. They know about all that. What they need is hope. We all need hope. So that's my message tonight. I completely changed what I was going to preach. We all need hope. I know I need hope. And there's many reasons people come into this service tonight. And I was thinking, what's some of the main reasons? I came up with four reasons why you might be here tonight. You might be under one of them four, would be a guess. The first reason, maybe you just got saved within the last few months. Maybe right here at the Cass County Jail. And you're on fire for Jesus. You're like a sponge. You want to know more about God's Word. So that's why you're here tonight. You want to know more, You're yearning to grow in the Lord. Reason number two, maybe you once were on fire for the Lord, but that fire's going out. You drifted away from the Lord. You got out of jail and you hung around the wrong crowd, the wrong group that led you astray, and started doing the wrong things again that you used to do. And you know you need to get back with Christ. You need to get back with the Lord, having fellowship like you once had. That might be the reason you're here. A third reason might be, you're searching for life's answers. You tried all the things that the world says gives you happiness, and it isn't working. All you come up with is loneliness, emptiness in your life. There's a void inside of you you can't fill. There's no peace and there's no hope. The fourth one I came up with, maybe you're here just because you're bored. You want to get out of your cell block. Maybe you'll find somebody here you know. Stretch your legs a little bit. Maybe that's why you're here. But you know, maybe you're here because the Lord wants you here Amen. to learn about the Word of God. Amen. huh? Amen. Well, you had no idea what you, why you're here, but you're here. The Lord wants you here. Hope. Looked it up in the dictionary. It says somebody is, hope is being optimistic. Hope is being positive. And the kind of hope is a Christian with the hope we have in trusting Christ. And another hope, a desire to be like Christ, is our hope as a Christian. And another hope, the hoping, the longing to be in heaven someday when we die. That's the hope we have as a Christian. There's a lot of verses in the Bible that tell us that we can have hope, that gives us hope, Here's a few of them. In Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31, it says, But they that wait upon the Lord... That word, wait. Sometimes that's hard to do, isn't it? Wait. When am I getting out of this jail? I want out now. But you know, sometimes... It says, wait on the Lord. He has His timing. Maybe this is the best place for you right now. I've talked to guys. I've been coming here to the jail for almost, it'll be 23 years next month, okay? Talked to a lot of guys. And they said, the best thing that ever happened to me was the ending here in the Cass County Jail. If I was still out on the street, I might be dead right now. But right here at the Cass County Jail, I found Jesus Christ as my Lord, my Savior. It's the best thing that ever happened. And we got to wait on the Lord. Maybe He's not done with you here yet. Maybe He knows if you got out tomorrow, you wouldn't be in the next service. We have a Wednesday night Bible study. A Monday night Bible study. We have Sunday night. Lord knows we're having it three times a week here. If you got out on the street, you, it might be zero times a week. huh? So maybe, maybe that waiting on the Lord isn't all bad. We get too anxious. But it says, "...but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength." They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. There's a hope of encouragement right there. Romans chapter 15 verse 4. For whatever things were written aforetime were written for our learning. What was written before time? It's the Bible, the Holy Bible, for our learning that we, through patience... What's patience? That means wait, huh? There again, that word again. Through patience, through waiting, and comfort of the Scriptures, which is the Bible, we might have hope. Huh? The Scriptures. Hope. It gives us hope. In Romans, chapter 15, verse 13. Now God, the source of our hope will fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. And you can only have the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, when you're born again as a Christian. That gives us the hope. The hope's only through God. Maybe you're here tonight... And you say, Gary, I have no hope. There's no hope for me. I've done so many wrong things. I have no hope. And I'm here tonight to tell you, there is hope for every one of us. It doesn't matter what you've done, any of your past. there's hope through Jesus Christ. Because the Bible says we're all sinners and falls short of the glory of God. And I'm going to share a few stories of men I knew right here at the Cass County Jail that had no hope. First guy, Wayne. I think it was 1972 I met Wayne. I was coming here to preach at night. And I see Wayne. He came in with the group. And Wayne looked pretty rough. He had scuzzy long hair, and he looked like he never took a bath, and he needed a shave. He looked pretty rough, okay? He just looked rough. And I preached a message, and I could tell while I was preaching, the Lord was working on that man. I could tell. You could just see in his face. And after the message, I gave an altar call. Whoever wants to get right with Jesus, come forward. We'll say the sinner's prayer. Wayne, come forward. And I've led a lot of people to Christ, but he sticks out. Because he yelled out the sinner's prayer, you could have heard him out in the cell blocks. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart, be my Lord, be my Savior. I want to follow you, not my ways. I want to live for you. I'm tired of this life. Come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. He bellowed it out. He was sincere. His tears pouring down. He says, could you do one thing for me? I said, what do you want me to do? Call my wife and tell her what I did tonight. So I called his wife and said, uh, Wayne, want me to call you. Yeah, what did Wayne want I'm just relaying a message. He wanted me to tell you he got right with Jesus tonight. Ah, he's a liar. I can't trust him. He's told me many times he's going to change, do things right, but he never has. I don't believe it. I want to read a few letters from Wayne. Here's a man who had no hope. He was 17 when he started doing drugs. He's 27 when he came in here to the jail, okay? His wife was fed up with him. wife and he had kids. Here's what he wrote. He got saved in September, September 27th of 1992. And in December, he wrote me this letter a few months later. Gary... I would like to thank you very much for your support. You have really helped me. No matter what my future holds, I will serve God for the rest of my life. You know, just a short time ago, I was ready to end my life, try to commit suicide. I have lost my wife and hurt so many people. But now that Jesus is in my heart, I feel like a new person. I still hurt when I think about my wife. But if I wait... Listen to that word, wait. Did we hear that just a while ago? But if I wait on the Lord, I'm sure He will take care of things. Again, thank you for telling me about Jesus and your prayers, your call to my wife, and your Christmas card, and your Bible tracts. I hope to see you again soon, hopefully in the free world. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. And Christian love, Wayne. He was hoping to get out of jail. Lord had different plans. And sometimes you reap what you sow. You come to Christ doesn't mean you're going to. Everything, the slate's clear as far as the world goes. Let let me tell you that. Sometimes you've got to pay the price. Sometimes you have scars for the rest of your life on what you've done in the past. Wayne was hoping at that time he wrote the letter he'd be out. He went to Jackson Prison for seven years. Okay? Here's a letter from Wayne a year later from Jackson prison Dear Gary How are things with you I'm doing good I just want to let you know that I'm still alive and I still love I still love the Lord with all my heart I'm happy with my life It's been a real blessing coming here. A blessing. He's in Jackson Prison. The Lord has opened my eyes. And I really feel His love flowing through my veins. I wouldn't give up all I've been through for nothing in the world. I'm free, no matter where I'm at. And that's a real good feeling. You take care. And keep me in your prayers, will you? Friend in Christ, Wayne. That's some of the blessings I have by coming here for 23 years and see hearts and lives change through Christ. There's people out there who don't believe there is a God. Huh. They're only deceived. The Bible says, a fool says in his heart there is no God. I know He lives because He lives within my heart. He changed my life and my priorities. I know He's there. And I'm not good, I'm not kind, but I'm going to heaven because I'm forgiven through Jesus Christ. That's our hope, our only hope. Here Wayne had no hope. He has hope. Here's another guy named Jimmy. guy named Jimmy. He'd been out and in and out of this jail so many times, everybody knew him. It was like a second home for Jimmy. And I was praying with Jimmy one evening. He was down. He was depressed. He had no hope. He was crying. He was stressed out. His wife was going to leave him. She, Her and the kids were going to go to California. His wife had enough of his lies, and his promises, and his in and out of jail. He made a lot of bad choices in his life, he'd tell you that. He was so down and out, he'd taken a paper clip, and on the forearm right here, he carved his wife's name in there, her name was Cindy, about inch high letters, and it it looked horrible. It was all infected, inflamed, raised up. He dug in there deep, deep. Cindy. And there's no hope with Wayne, at least he thought. And I hadn't seen Wayne, or I mean Jimmy, for a long time. And every year, Forgotten Man Ministry, this ministry, has a banquet and Carl and Sarah Ross. Head up that banquet. They do a lot of work here. They love the Lord. They love you guys. Their heart's here. That's their passion. I can't say enough good things. They work hard here at the jail. And they get this banquet going. There's a lot of people coming to this banquet. And it's a fundraiser to raise money to do what we do here for Bibles. For all the Bible studies. You guys have got certificates we, we pay through a lot of that stuff through this banquet. People from the community, people from the churches come to this banquet. 300, 350 people come to this banquet to, to find out what's going on in the Cass County Jail. And there, there's always some testimony from guys like you that come to Christ that give a testimony, and they just eat that up, seeing lives and hearts being changed with the money they give. They see the fruit of some of that money, their hard-earned money. Some of these old widow ladies come, and they're giving the money, their savings, to help you guys. Amen. And my wife's sitting there waiting for the banquet to come on. People come out that's going to do the guest speaking. And guess who was sitting up the t- up there at one of the tables with the guest speakers? It was Jimmy. Jimmy's going to be a guest speaker at the banquet, jail banquet. I told my wife, that's Jimmy. That's the guy that carved his wife's name in his forearm. And Jimmy got up. He talks about coming to Christ, changing his life. Change his thinking, his priorities, everything. He said he used to be a taker, always taking from the community, not a giver. Caused a lot of sorrow to a lot of people, family and friends, his wife, his kids. And since he came to Christ, he wants to be a giver. He wants to be a helper. He wants to be somebody positive in the community. That's what Jimmy wanted to be. And you know who was sitting beside him? Up front? His wife. His wife was there. He got his wife and his family back. Amen. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. 2 Corinthians 5.17. It's one of my favorite verses. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. That's why I'm telling these stories. Because there's hope for every one of us. When we stand before God, is He going to say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Or is He going to say, Depart from Me, you that work wickedness. I never knew you. And someday we will all stand before Him. See this body you're in? It's just temporary. Everything in this room that you see, including us, is temporary. The only thing that's eternal is our soul. And what we do down here with this time determines where we end up, heaven or hell. It's your choice. He loved us so much, He hung on that cross. Even on that cross, He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I want to read some more verses out of the Word of God to help us, to encourage us, to give us hope. Philippians 4.13 it says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Luke 11, verse 28. Blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. You hear it? You can't just hear it. You've got to keep it. Talk is cheap. It's the walk that counts. I've seen a lot of people say they're Christians, but their walk doesn't show it. You've seen them. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 7. Powerful words. Blessed is the man that trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord, for he shall be like a tree planted by the waters and that it spreadeth out its roots by the river, and shall not fear when the heat comes. But his leaves shall be green, and he shall not be harmed in the year of the drought, neither shall he cease from yielding fruit. When you're living for the Lord, you're like that tree by the river, When its roots are down there by the river, it's always going to have water. And when we're in the Word of God, that's our water. Living water. When we start getting dry, what do we got to do? Get back into the Word of God. The living water. Is there hope in death? There's some verses that give us hope in death. And that's... uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 50 says this Now, this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. It's talking about heaven. And in verse 53, it says, For this. Corruptible, which is your corruptible body, must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall put on incorruption, and this mortal shall put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death Where's I sting? O grave, where's I victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Victory over the grave. Victory over sin through Jesus Christ our Lord. Proverbs Chapter 14, verse 32. The righteous have hope in death. No fear, we have hope. Lamentations, chapter 3, verse 25. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in Him and seek Him. 1 Corinthians, chapter 2, verse 9. Eyes have not seen nor ears heard, "...neither has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him." God's saying right here, we don't have a clue what heaven's going to be like. We can't comprehend it at all. You were blind from the day you were born. Could you imagine what red looks like? What green? Any of the colors? Would you, could you even imagine what a dog looks like, what a person looks like, what the fluffy clouds look like? Could you explain that to anybody that was blind from birth? How could you explain that to them? Could you? So, how, how can God explain to heaven, it's going to be so glorious, that we can't, we can't fathom it, just as like a blind person can't fathom colors? And same with uh, a deaf person. If you were deaf from the day you were born, you couldn't comprehend a bird singing, the ocean roaring, or a lion roaring, people talking, music, the thunder rumbling. You'd miss out on all that. You wouldn't have a clue. And how would you explain that to a deaf person? You couldn't even talk to them to try to explain it to them. What sound was like. So heaven. We can't comprehend what heaven's going to be like. It's awesome. Colossians chapter one, verse five says, The hope which is laid up for you in heaven, as a Christian, that's the hope we have. First Timothy one the Lord Jesus Christ is our hope. I want to tell you a story I heard from some preacher. I'm not for sure who he was, but I heard it on the radio. And it hit me so hard that I had to share it with you guys tonight. You know, the Lord allows us to hear certain things so we can share it. And I believe He allowed me to hear this so you can hear this tonight. Because it gives me hope. And I'm sure it will give you hope too. It's a story about a couple missionaries... A husband and wife that spent 20 years of their life in Africa telling African people about Jesus Christ. They had a burden. Sacrificed 20 years of their life over there without all the luxuries we have here in the States. And this is back in 1909. They're coming back on a boat from Africa back to the States. And it just so happens, on that same boat, President Teddy Roosevelt was on that boat. And he was coming back from Africa also. He had been on a hunting trip, hunting big game in Africa. When he came off the boat, hundreds of people are there cheering him on. They're partying. And the missionaries that spent 20 years of their hard-earned life got off the boat. There's nobody there to greet him. Here's the president. He's just going off having a good old time. And they're cheering him on. Party hardy. Because he went hunting. And the missionary sees all this. And he gets home with his wife. He says, Dear, you know, we worked all that time. Nobody here to greet us. Why? We're doing the Lord's work. We came home. Nobody's there. His wife says, well, you know what you need to do? You need to talk to God about that. So he went in the other room. He starts praying. And he's talking to God. And like I said earlier, sometimes God answers us through the Spirit. He comes back in the room with his wife he's got a smile on his face and his his wife says "Uh, well what the Lord say he says "Uh, I ain't home yet I ain't home yet when we get to heaven party hardy huh we're gonna be get there with all the believers that's our hope as Christians We ain't home yet. The party's coming. But until then, we'll have trials. We'll have tribulations. Jesus said they hated me. They'll hate you. And it's getting that way in the United States of America. When you stand up for the Word of God, what's right, what's wrong, you're called haters. You're called intolerant. All sorts of stuff. Because you stand up for what the Bible says. We need to stand for what's right no matter what. We have that hope in Jesus Christ. I want to read it's encouraging to me in John chapter 20. Starts in verse 24. How many of you have heard the old saying says, Don't be a doubting Thomas? That's an old saying. Well, it comes from these passages right here in the Word of God. You know, there was 12 disciples, and one of them was named Thomas. Jesus died on the cross. And after He died on the cross, what, third day, He rose. And uh, the disciples were all in a house together, except Thomas. And Jesus, the doors were locked, it says. And Jesus appeared to the disciples and talked to them. But Thomas wasn't there. Jesus, Jesus left. Thomas comes in a little later. And the disciple says, Guess who we've seen? Guess who was here? Jesus was here. And Thomas says, Ah, ah, he wasn't here. I don't believe it. Unless I see the nail prints in his hands and see the the mark where his sword went in, I'm not going to believe it. I don't believe it. And here, this is powerful stuff. Verse 24, But Thomas, one of the twelve disciples, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord! But he said to them, Except I shall see his hands and the prints of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days again, the disciples were within the room and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being locked, and stood in the midst and said, Peace unto you. And then said he to Thomas, this is Jesus speaking. Jesus says, Reach here, thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach here. My hand and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. Jesus already knew what Thomas had said, doesn't he? He's God. And then Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus said unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. But listen to this next verse. This one I like. Jesus says, Blessed are they that have not seen, but yet believe. Blessed are you. Blessed are you. Isn't that awesome? That gives us hope. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. In John chapter 14, verse 1, it says this. This is Jesus talking. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And verse 6 says, Jesus said unto them, I am the way and the truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And you all probably know John 3.16. Maybe not through 18, so listen to the last ones. For God so loved the world, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but through Him that the world may be saved. He that believeth on Him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already condemned already and if you ever heard me preach I always close with this message about the two cats and I keep preaching this message because it has a lot of wisdom in it like I say I've been coming here a long time 23 years talked to a lot of people I hear the same old story It says, Gary, when I'm here at the jail, I try to do good. And I say, I'm never coming back to this jail again. But once I get out, I end up coming back, in and out, in and out. What can I do that I never come back here to the jail? And this story will tell you how. It's a story about an old missionary. Back in the old cowboy and Indian days, before cars. And this old missionary had a burden for the Indian people. And he'd ride around on horseback from Indian village to Indian village with a big old Schofield Bible telling the people about Jesus. And one day, he led an Indian chief to Jesus Christ. And he stayed in the village a little longer. And he moved on to other villages. And three or four months later, it kind of goes by and he's back to that same village where the Indian chief's at. And sitting by the fire one night, he starts talking to the old Indian chief. And he asks the Indian chief, How is it being a Christian now? The Indian chief says, It's great, my sins are forgiven. The load of sin I always had is gone. And I have the peace, like the Bible says, passes all understanding. I know when I die, I'm going to heaven. It's great. But he says, there's two cats inside of me, and they fight from the time I get up in the morning till the time I go to bed. And the missionary says, What do you mean two cats inside of you fighting? What, what's that about? He says, Well, one cat represents the flesh, the things that always would get me in trouble. And the other cat represents the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ, living within me. And he says they're always fighting. The flesh says, Ah, let's go do these things, huh? Party hardy, huh? And... Uh, The Spirit says, no, don't do those things. Do the right things. Do the honorable things. Do the just things. Do the good things. And they're always fighting. And the missionary says, well, which cat usually wins? And this is it. The one I feed the most wins. If you get out of here and you're feeding the flesh... What's going to control your life? It's going to be the flesh. But you get out of here. You get your Bible. You start memorizing the Word of God. You start feeding the Spirit. And you start getting stronger, spiritual. You beat up that flesh. Every time the flesh raises its ugly head, you'll beat it right down. Greater is He that's in you than He that's in the world when you have Jesus Christ. If you're here tonight and you don't have Jesus Christ, how many cats do you have? You got one, and it's the flesh, and that's the one that's control your life. And you can't overpower Satan. He knows all the traps. He knows all the tricks. He knows all the weak spots. He knows the old pork chop to hang in front of you just like a dog. You put a pork chop in front of a dog, they'll they'll fly anywhere. And Satan, he knows all the right things, the things that... Your weak spots. He'll put it right in front of you. Come on, come on. Yeah, he'll do that. So you need the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus fills the void... We try to fill with earthly things. God's will and goal in our lives is not to always make us happy, not always to make us healthy, not always to make us wealthy, but God's will, God's goal in our lives is to make us more like Him. Jesus said in Matthew 10.32, 10.33, If you confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father, which is in heaven. If you deny me before men, I will deny you before my Father, which is in heaven. Here's the last verse on hope. 1 John 1.9 If we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How much? All. Oh. Oh, there you go. I love it. Huh? That's our hope. I'm going to give an altar call. And if the Lord's tugging on your heart to get right with Him. Come up here. We're going to play a song. And I have these little booklets called Knowing God Personally. I'll give you each one. We'll say the sinner's prayer together. You can leave here tonight knowing you're on your way to heaven. And it's not what I'm saying. It's what the Word of God says. The Lord knows whether you're doing business with Him or you're playing church. But with your soul, you don't want to play church. Trust me. So if the Lord tugs tonight... You come forward.